there's an element of community care that comes with our people. And again, society has managed to create spirituality practices where you are only taking care of the self, right? All the responsibility falls on you. And I do believe that you have a responsibility to care for the self, but in caring for the self, you are opening up this knowing, this intuition of spirit, that community is even more powerful in the support of your growth spiritually and just in life in general. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to Break the Cycle with Dr. Marielle, a podcast where I bring in some of my favorite healers from across the world to talk about how we shift from intergenerational trauma to intergenerational abundance. I'm your host, Dr. Marielle Bouquet. I'm a holistic psychologist, and I would like for you to join me and my fellow healers as we break the cycle. I welcome you to this episode featuring author, bruja, seer, spiritual activist, Julia Diaz. She's an indigenous Taino Cubana from a long line of curanderos, healers, and brujas on both sides of her parents' lineages. Julia has devoted her life to helping people come back into their divine self and liberate themselves from the oppressor within. She's also the creator of Love Julia and Company, has an online membership community, is the co-founder of Spiritbound Press, and she's the author of best-selling book, Witchery, Embrace the Witch, also of the number one new release, Plant Witchery. And today we're going to be talking about her newest book and also her most important literary work, which is The Altar Within. You can find her on social at I am Juliet Diaz. But before we get started, I'd like to remind you that whenever you're engaging in any trauma-centered content, it is going to be very important that you anchor yourself on the breath. So wherever you are, if you can catch your breath, hold your heart, and if you're willing and if you're able, if you can just follow the flow of your breath and deepen it whenever you feel like you need to, just remember that you can always anchor yourself on your breath as you listen. Now, without further ado, here's Juliet. Hi, Juliet. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I am super excited to finally be having this conversation with you. I think that goes without saying, but thank you for being in conversation with me. Thank you for being on the Break the Cycle podcast. I am beyond honored and excited and scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we honor it all. Yeah, honor it all. I adore your work and you as a person, as an energy and a presence. It's so beautiful, the work that you're putting out there and how you're supporting people and really inspirational. You actually helped me realize even more, even though I know that it's important to be more of your authentic self, you just present it in such a beautiful way that it inspires me to be better at presenting myself as my authentic self to my community. Oh, that brings me so much joy. I love that because your voice is so powerful. It's so beautiful and it's so needed. And so I'm glad that authenticity is burgeoning from you and honor that I could be any part of that, even, you know, just through the energy channels, if you may. That's really good to hear. And I'm super excited to dive into your work because I think it's very 
revolutionary, very powerful. I want to give space to your work to be able to have people recognize your work from a different perspective than maybe where it's been taken. But you tell me, right? But it's, of course, from the perspective of intergenerational trauma and intergenerational abundance and how we create, manifest that, act upon it. With that, I'm wondering, you know, if we could just get started with you giving us a semblance of your work and the ways in which it is, it has this function of emancipation, of self-emancipation, of collective emancipation. So maybe just take us a little bit through, through that and through to what that means to you. Yeah, so I am someone who, I'm Indigenous Taino, Cubana, first generation, daughter of immigrants. So a lot of my childhood, a lot of my upbringing was, you know, survival. It was trauma, but very spiritual as well, because that is something that's part of our culture, our belief system and our practices. I realized as I got older, however, being online and social media and all these books coming out on spirituality and magic and the way they presented how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to love yourself, take care of yourself, what your liberation looks like. All of these things I started to notice and realize, especially with doing my third book, that they were actually causing harm and they were toxic and harmful to marginalized communities, BIPOC and LGBTQ+ communities. You know, people don't think about disabled folks. They don't think about people who come from trauma. They don't think about people who, you know, that caring for themselves is something that's actually like a chore because there's so much that the world tells you how you need to care for yourself. And we start believing that that's how we have to do it. And Mm -hmm. we feel detached from our spirit because of it. Mm, Wow. Detached. A lot of the messages I've given in my book is to be is of the self, of reclaiming that self, of going inward, of allowing yourself to be the leader and the lead in your life and your practices and how you do your own thing, right? Do your own thing. Don't listen to what other people tell you because that's where the disconnection starts. You start to grab onto all of these beliefs and all of these opinions and they get scrambled within your truth. So for me, it was really impactful because, um, for instance, the altar within, it guides you through like self-worship, self-discovery, and self-activism. We speak and befriend the divine self differently from what New Age spirituality teaches us. The goal here is to bring you back to the self and all that is, including showing up to fight for your communities, right? Against dominant capitalist values. I want people to know that I'm not here to turn them into like spiritually bypassing practitioners with a God complex or like a slave to capitalist consumerism overtaking spiritual and wellness spaces because that it's what's happening. And a lot of us are not seeing that or seeing that reflect in our own lives and how in our own health and healing and spiritual or lack of spiritual goals for many of us. So I really truly believe that the way that I've been involved in the spiritual community and how devoted I've been to my practices and other practices, I've got to see an intimate view and perspective of, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Wow, that's powerful. And I can see that a good portion of the work comes from a a deeply personal place where 
You've been able to, you are someone who comes from generations of healers, right? So because you have that generational wealth of understanding of spirituality in a specific context, you're bringing that in from a very personal angle that is also collective, right? Because curanderismo as a spiritual practice also is, you know, something that there there are widely known practices that are a part of the collective of individuals that, you know, um, ascribe to the spiritual work. And then there's also, I'm sure, a very intimate, very personalized version of that for you. Um, And so I'm sure that you're bringing in what I'm hearing also is that you're bringing in, you know, part of the the collective element and part of the personal element into the work that you're producing, specifically in the altar within in your in your newest book. But from what I see and from myself, just an outsider looking into your work, it, it seems that as though that that taps into every element of the work that you produce. Yes. And I didn't really get it clear before. So I had a near death experience in 2020. Actually, my heart stopped. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But yes, it's, I always had that feeling or or intuitive knowing, right? Like we all do. It's like this voice that tells us that we should trust ourselves. And we thought we prove to ourselves over and over that when we do follow our intuition, it leads us the right way. But somehow in our subconscious, there's so much noise that's trapping us or blocking us from truly believing in ourselves, right? Because when you believe in yourself, that means you have to believe in spirit. Or when you believe in spirit, that means you have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's a disconnection from our communities, not knowing that the reason why we're so we're being disconnected from spirit is because we're being separated from our worth and our sense of being capable of leading our lives and making the decisions. So for me, curandismo is super, super important in my life, not just because of my ancestors and my family lineage. It's because there's an element of community care that comes with our people. And again, society has managed to create spirituality practices where you are only taking care of the self, right? All the responsibility falls on you. And I do believe that you have a responsibility to care for the self, but in caring for the self, you are opening up this knowing, this intuition of spirit, that community is even more powerful in the support of your growth spiritually and just in life in general. We're being stripped away from the unity, the power of being with our people um, and showing up for one another. So that is a clear message that I have within everything that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a powerful one. And it also one one that contextually right now in the times that we find ourselves in, I think is pretty challenged. I mean, to ask people to tap into themselves is something that it's a tall ask, right? Um, I don't know if you've seen that in your work that people have had maybe like a challenge with like going deep, going in. But I, I think that for sure in the the work that I do, going into the layers of who you are is something that always presents challenges for people, but also creates fears. Like it's a journey, right? Like it's not just like tap into yourself and then, you know, we're all good. It's something that requires a lot of effort and courage. So I don't know if there's, that's been any part of your experience in this work. 
for yourself or, you know, as you guide others? Yes, yes. It's huge. The the altar within itself is compromise of a lot of that work and even more than what people are used to. For instance, say like self-love, a lot of people are quick to be like, you know, self-love solves everything. Just love yourself, say these affirmations and you're good for the day. But for instance, for me, affirmations were very fucking triggering. Sorry, can I curse? (laughs) I'm known for (laughs) cursing. It's all welcome. (laughs) The authentic language of my, they were very triggering because for one, I did not know what the meaning of love even meant, not just from because of my upbringing and all the trauma that I suffered, but I never got a chance to befriend love and what that actually meant for me or what that looked like or felt like. So as an adult or, and trying to find this way of loving myself or caring for myself, you first have to identify or befriend what love is and, and try to find what it feels like to you, what it means to you. Not a lot of people have a good relationship with love. So not even having a good relationship with love, how can they have a good relationship with self-love? So there's a lot of obstacles. That's just one example. There's so many of them, especially with society, right? Telling you, you know, you need to be fixed in like every which way, the way you look, the way you sound, the way you dress, you're like this imperfect thing that they just want to create into this perfect avatar. And we strive to be this perfect ass avatar that is an illusion. It's something that we can never achieve. So we're here trying to achieve those points or those aspects of ourselves that don't even belong to us or align with us. And it detaches us more from loving ourselves. Let's put what you're saying into practice. So what is maybe like one practice that you could take us through that you reflect in your work in the altar within that people could say, oh, that's something I could do? Yeah. So my favorite, I'm just going to go with my favorite. It's not the easiest. It might seem silly, but I have a conversation with myself every single day. It's like, you know how you have a girl, girl's night out or whatever. I have this Juliet reflection night every single night. And even when I'm not up to it, I sit there in front of a mirror. So the practice involves a mirror. You sit in front of the mirror and you literally have a conversation with yourself. Like, Hey, what's up girl? How are you feeling? How was your day? You gossip, but I teach you before doing that kind of practice in the book or explain, we have to build some kind of self-compassion first for ourselves. We have to have self-patience we have to build an intimate, trustworthy, and supportive relationship with ourselves in order for us to move into practices that involve self-love, self-care, and discovering who we are. Because through that navigation into our soul, into the depths of our shadows, we need to be equipped and armed with these beautiful birthrights that we've been given, but have been stripped away from us or withered away through time that are tools and self-love, self-patience, self-compassion, self-honesty, all of those things, I see them as divine tools that we have for ourselves. And if we master the art of them, or at least try to tap into them and learn about them, we're learning about ourselves, right? We're learning to to use these tools for ourselves so that when we do the work, it becomes easier for us to sit there, right? In conversation with yourself and be honest and have compassion with yourself in a way that the world hasn't shown you compassion. So 
the practice involves you sitting in front of a mirror. I usually like to have tea and I just sit there. And sometimes I feel stupid, not going to (laughs) lie. I'm just like, God, I have to do this again. But that's really eye-opening to me that I don't want to sit with myself. I want to get to a point in my life where I want to sit with myself for hours and just have this beautiful conversation on life and have this beautiful conversation on my spiritual growth and my my fails and, and my accomplishments and have that support for myself, have that support be part of who I am in my existence. So I approach spirituality in a way that you turn yourself into your biggest support system. And then anything that comes outside of that, like community care, friends, family, that's just a bonus add but we have to learn to be there for ourselves and show up for ourselves. So many of us are so used to giving up on ourselves, self-sabotaging in different ways, and not wanting to take the time to discover who we are because it's hard as fuck. It's hard work. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yes, having a conversation with yourself at least 10 to 30 minutes a day to sit there. And I promise you, it's taken me over a year, but... I've managed to get to 30 minutes and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I look forward to it. I'm, tonight, I'm gonna, it's going to be the best one because I'm going to talk about you <laughs> and, and, and talk about this experience. Mm-hmm. But have conversations with yourself. Be open. Scan yourself. Scan your body. Scan your spirit. See how you're feeling. Where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Where's your body? Where are you feeling aches? Where are you feeling pain? what feels good, right? Also address joy and also address peace and and gratitude in that day. So that's one of my favorite ones and ones that I want to share. I love that. I love that one. And there are moments, they're not structured moments, which I love the fact that you're, you're talking about bringing in ritual into having that dialogue with yourself. But there are moments when I, you know, I talk to myself like I'm my own girlfriend, right? So as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that, you know, technique. And I do it, you know, as a way to, you know, just bring humor into my life, especially because I, I do spend a lot of time, especially working and on my own. So I think it's pretty healthy to, you know, just stop in the mirror and say, girl, what's up? You know, and just like have dialogues that are funny and lighthearted that are deep and that are difficult, right? It's just the full gamut. Yeah. I mean, you're the one that's always going to be with you and always have been with you. And having these dialogues, what it eventually does, it's that you start tapping into your divine self, right? You start tapping into that love, into that unconditional love, into that divine source, a hug that you get from coming from a place of compassion. So when you practice talking to yourself and showing up for yourself, checking yourself on your own bullshit, right? Like you're just saying, you know, Hey girl, like let's do this. You got this. You're safe. I say this probably every day. You're safe. You're protected. You're capable. And again, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't go through building a relationship with myself where I actually believe those things, right? Instead of just saying certain affirmations and don't get me wrong. Affirmations are awesome. I love them. I mean, they're great, but if you find that they feel kind of not truthful, then you might have to look into a deeper way of finding the reasons why those can be triggering or finding why they're not working for you or why they 
don't feel aligned to you. And usually it's because we have to start from the ground up and start building this beautiful, supportive, healthy relationship with ourselves. And it doesn't have to be a happy one all the time. I don't believe in, you know, that light and love, positive energy all the time. I believe, you know, you have to accept all your emotions and your real life and be present for them as well. Mm-hmm. I felt that. So here's my last question to you. And it, it is a little bit of a layered one, but it's one that I ask everyone here. And of course, it would be layered because we're talking about aspects of the self. We're talking about trauma and specifically intergenerational trauma. But my question is, within the context of your lens and the lens that you bring into this work, how would you say that one even begins to do the work of breaking the cycle? It's a very layered question. So I always preface it with that, but give it your best shot. Wow. Yes. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually love, love this question because this is where we are, right? This is in in the space that we all are right now where we feel like we have to heal ourselves, heal ancestral trauma and cut cords and align with everything that serves us and let go of what doesn't serve us. There's like so much that goes into a spiritual practice or healing. And the beautiful part is we have to learn to take it one day at a time and know that it is a journey. We're not trying to skip over the journey. The journey itself is a spiritual practice. Our life itself is a ceremony and we are the ritual. When we start seeing that from that perspective, we create a lifestyle that is divine, a a lifestyle that is healing within itself. So anything from washing your hair to paying your bills to saying thank you to your husband because, you know, sometimes you forget and, you know, making sure your kids have clothes on when they walk out that door to go to school and they don't smell like ass, all of the real life things, those things, if you change your perspective to knowing that that's you living, that's a life, that's you breathing in this wonderful, majestic world, then I think it would bring this grace to healing and this grace to journey on without being overwhelmed with all of these layers that go into it, right? Because these layers can just spread through the path and they don't have to be one over the other. There is no rush. You're in divine time, like literally in divine time, not on anyone else's time. I love that. I love that. Thank you for offering us this gift and your literary gifts, right? That I'm hoping people can feel connected to and and can engage in that self-devotion that is such an important part of how we break cycles and engage in the process of liberating ourselves, right? In our journey towards healing trauma. So it has been such a joy having you. Thank you for being here in this podcast and, and being willing, you know, to have this conversation. Thank you. I'm extremely grateful. And you were like the best, amazing host ever. <laughs> you made me feel at oh. peace. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been so calm while doing a podcast or interview or anything. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so I'm grateful for your presence and, and being here. Thank you. Grateful to have you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. What an important aspect of self-devotion in reference to intergenerational trauma that Juliet was able to bring 
into this conversation, right? Now, she did say something while we were chatting it up offline that I thought was a pure gem and I really wanted to share with you all. She mentioned that when you devote yourself to your body, you're actually also devoting yourself to caring for all of the ancestors that are a part of your lineage that contributed to your body. And I thought that that was so powerful, so good. So I wanted to share that with you. Now leave a comment in the comment section or anywhere where you're able to review this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Let us know how you're liking the episodes, how you're liking the podcast. It would be wonderful to hear from you. Now, as I always mention, every single time that we're talking about trauma, our nervous system registers it. And it is incredibly important that we bring our bodies, our minds, and our spirits into a place of regulation, into a place of ease, and into a place of calm. So I would like to offer you a sound bath meditation. So listen at your will and close your eyes, deepen your breath, do all the things that help you to feel grounded and rooted as you take in the sound bath. So whenever you're ready, let's begin. Take in a deep breath as you seal your practice. When you're ready, open your eyes if they were shut. And remember that wherever you are in your healing journey, you can always decide today to break the cycle. 
For weekly coping tips, you can sign up to my newsletter and follow me on social at Bouquet. Take care of that beautiful soul of yours, and I'll see you at the next episode. Thank you.